0: Our topic this afternoon is reflected grace. That is the, the grace or, or steadfast love that we were thinking about yesterday that we ought to be showing to others. Because in the wedding example that we spoke about, if, if the uh, man was committing himself, long-term, to this woman. We didn't stay at that wedding long enough to hear her reply back, but she would have, that she was going to reciprocate those same sentiments and feelings towards him. It is a two-way street. So the Lord loves us with love that will never go. And do we love him with a love that will never let him go? Reflected grace in Please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and you'll see why I'm using the word grace here. That Hebrew word, which I'll try not to say, actually I changed my mind, it was hesed. And um, it sometimes comes into the New Testament as grace or as mercy, it's not found exactly as in the Old Testament. 2 Corinthians then chapter 8, and verse number 9. A lot of things could be said about this little section and even these first few verses. It's interesting that this idea of steadfast love, uh, words that bring up those ideas are found um, many, many times in these first few verses. But we'll leave that. Second uh, Corinthians 8, 9, For you know... It's easy to read that. I, I, I remember the day I sat and that struck me. But I know. For you know. Thank God that we do, brother. Thank God. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're, you're familiar with the rest of the verse and maybe even the context. I, I have to leave it there. We know. I can't help but think of, of, of dear Savetta. I don't pray for her as much as I used to. Haven't seen her for quite a few years now. We, she lived on the other side of the world. We made a special trip. Louis Smith came with me, and we, at my insistence, I wanted to see. I wanted to see this home where the street boy. Sometimes spent a night, and we met Savetta. I wanted to follow up on her in other years, and we went back. I remember sitting in that little cave. Well, not literally. I think she was a first cousin. No, she wasn't. I think she was a twin to the woman in John 4. We sat down reading the scriptures with her. Well... Read, read a verse or two, and and we asked her in the conversation, would you like to be with God someday? I never heard an answer like this before, either of you. She said no. Well, obviously the interpreter's fault, right? So we asked it again, would you, would you like to be with the Lord in heaven someday? No. Why not? She says, I don't know. I'm not. I'm nervous around strangers. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's healthy to remind ourselves about that grace. We've heard about it in different ways and even in the gospel. We thank God for that we're going to talk about grace. Maybe you need to ask a question. Uh, What did the Lord Jesus say about grace? Okay, I know you're tired and you didn't even want to try to think, but go ahead. Go ahead. Try to think. Okay, give it a shot. Turn it on. So which chapter do we go to, brother, sister? Which book? You have one of those red letter Bibles? That'll help you. Where do you see him talking about grace? Okay, let's make it easier. Is there a verse? You say, well, he talked about love quite... No, no, don't change the topic on me. I'm speaking, right? So don't change the topic. You say, well, he talked about mercy quite a few times, but you're trying that again. Not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about grace. So what did, what did he say about grace? Okay, well, you, you don't mind if we leave that for a minute? Even though it's... Late afternoon. Well, We'll come back to that if I remember. If I don't, you'll probably forget anyway. So So let's uh, ask a couple of other questions. I want to just talk for a moment about... I want to ask this question, where do we see grace? And then also we'll come to really the, the point of this talk. How does grace challenge me? And that's where we look at more keenly at reflected grace. Where do we see grace? Well, you could take a series on that one, probably, but I, I was just thinking of how we see grace on our own conversions, don't we? Our own testimonies. I think it's healthy for an assembly from time to time to have testimony meetings. You know, maybe it warms them up. I remember Albert Hall would say to Peter Orzuck, Peter, you're kind of getting a little dry, maybe cold. I don't know what all the words he used. I forget now, but he said, uh, tell your testimony tonight. Well, <laughs> You know, but I got something else planned. Well, well, I'm telling you, you're telling your testimony tonight. Okay, okay, I will. And then I guess he maybe preached better after that the following night, so I don't know how it all went, but I just remember hearing that little story from Peter himself. I I can hardly believe it. I sat in six weeks of gospel meetings, James Smith and uh, Lauren McBain, Six weeks before I w- was really awakened to my need. And, and I was raised in a Christian home. Six weeks. In fact, I got saved on the little extra. They decided to go into March break, March school break. Okay, You divide an assembly in five if you tried that today. They went on into the March break, for school break, and in those extra three nights, I I woke up and got saved. And yet there was another man who had never heard the gospel before, my future brother-in-law, Norman dubey And he sat in, I think it was one meeting, maybe two meetings, two meetings in that same series, maybe the second week. His brother promised him he could have the car. He was going to take the car and go across to Buffalo, New York and get drunk. He could drink early underage over there. And, and his brother knew what he would do. But he said, you, you can have my car, but you have to come to a gospel meeting. Well, he never went to Buffalo because he got saved. And, he, and I was amazed he got saved through John 3.16, of all things. I mean, I knew that verse better than he did. Imagine getting saved through a verse like that, that everybody knows. Well, I'm glad I finally woke up. We see, the, we see the grace of God in other people's testimonies, don't we? Don't, don't we sometimes love just to hear other people speaking about the grace of God, what it did in their lives? I was thinking of a brother who's departed now. Some of you would know him. Well, only only if you're from the northern Ontario, which there are a few of you. Nice to see you, even from Capuscacy, so far away. But you might remember Joe. And uh, when Joe got saved, he was on his way to jail for the way he talked. Okay, that's it's pretty bad. I'm not talking like he had a fight downtown when he was drunk or something. He was on his way to the jail for the way he talked. He didn't go because they had some plea bargain, which was a good thing because he was going to commit suicide otherwise. He came into fellowship. He sat there. What one Sunday, as uh, as a, as a sister was walking past him, he sat in the front row of our tiny little hall. It wasn't big, and we have a bigger one now. But he sat there in the front row, and a sister walked past, and he he made a comment. He said something. I won't tell you what it was. And, and it got her attention. And and it got her husband's attention, too. And thus it got my attention. <coughs> he, uh, he had patted his knee, and he said, Hey, sit here. Okay, well, I said I wasn't going to say what he said. Well, I didn't tell you the whole thing. So I went over to Joe's home, and we sat down, and he got the coffee pot on, and we talked, and uh, we read together Ephesians 5, Let there let there be no foolishness or uh, filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Oh. Oh, that's what the Bible says. Okay. That was it. I didn't hear him talk like that anymore. The grace of God. You know how what I heard him say instead? He would stand up on Sunday morning, he'd go to number one. I think usually, I think only because it was easy to find. And he knew it was appropriate for the break of bread because we had to show him that there was some songs that weren't. You know, about prayer meeting songs and stuff like that. So we, we got him on that one and he, he stuck right to it because he could find it. Abba Father, we approach thee in our Savior's precious name. And then on it goes. Once as prodigals we wandered in our folly far from thee but thy grace or sin abounding rescued us from misery. You know, I would sit and I would think, here's a man that should be in jail for the way he talked. And listen to what he's saying now about the goodness and the grace of God. He's a changed man. And as a believer, he he developed about as high as song number one. That's about as far as he got. And as soon as he gave it out, then he'd pray. Then he'd sit down and he'd Figured he'd done his job for the day. And sometimes it was a little bit hard to take. You know, you don't like somebody to give out the same song all the time. But whenever I thought of it, and I thought of where he came from, I thought of the grace of God. We see the grace of God in other people's lives and testimonies, too. We see the grace of God. We see the grace of God when it comes to the providence of God, guidance of God, the presence of God in circumstances. I wish we could have a conference just on that. I know you're not supposed to tell stories and uh, all this, and that's fine, you know, but I wonder sometimes if that generation that we read about in the Old Testament, they grew up not knowing the works of the Lord. I wonder... Maybe they grew up in that kind of an atmosphere where you weren't supposed to tell any stories about anything about the goodness of God in your life because everybody would think you're just proud. But anyway, there is a place for those kinds of stories that adults, older people have gone into and and, uh, and sometimes, you know, the teens, the younger people, they haven't wrestled with God in quite the same ways and seen God working in their lives. But God is alive. And God works in people's lives. I was in a little place called Pekrosk, on the other side of the world too, but we didn't want to be there. Well, no, we did, we did want to be there, but we didn't want to be on that street in that town. We made it clear to the interpreter, uh, Louis did, and then I did, Louis Smith, and then we, we made it even more clear to the driver that we didn't want to go to Vitaly's house. Because as nice a man as he was, he just wanted to bring out the wine and other things and talk about everything under the sun. And if, G, and, and if, Louis, if you believe in the Lord, I do too. And that's as deep as he got. And here, have another one. And just, be, he was so friendly. He said, We're not, we don't want to go there. And we didn't drink what he gave out to us. Just to be clear. Uh, I think we had water and big chunks of deer fat with a little sliver of meat on them. And I cut the fat off and ate the meat. Then I realized I'd tossed out the best part. But we, they trained us. And uh, we wanted to see another person on the other street. But we, however it all went, we, we got down this wrong street. And all of a sudden, we saw Vitaly in front of us. He said, all right, heads down. No, We don't want him to see us. He came right out to the car. He... He he saw these foreigners in the car. He waved us down. Come on in. He was so enthusiastic. And where they like, oh go? No, what a waste. And he sat down and trying to make a short story even shorter. Um, in a few moments, his wife brought out her ta- her tattered Bible that she'd been given the year before. as falling apart. She'd been reading the scriptures. She'd been listening. I think to Billy Graham, I don't know how you could understand him in Russian, but, but it's maybe an interpreter spoke for him. But she had been listening to preaching, and this woman, I don't know if she was saved at that time, but she was certainly lacking assurance. And that woman with this Bible falling apart, we, we spoke to her the gospel, and we saw her rejoice in knowing the grace of Christ Christ. We never intended to be there that day. We did everything so that we wouldn't be there that day. But God is alive. And he directs our paths. And the Bible tells us, he said, I will direct you with my eyes. And I'm so glad because he doesn't wear glasses. And he's got 20-20 and he sees a lot farther than we see. And expect it. At school. And wherever you are at work, go ahead. Expect God to work and move. But we see also, don't we, we see the grace of God not only in testimonies, our own and others, and in the guidance and direction of God in life, but we see the grace of God in Christ. Well, that's that's where I should be coming to, isn't it? Okay, so we're back. Okay, I told you I would come back if I remembered, and I did, but it's because it's in my notes, otherwise I wouldn't have. What did the Lord Jesus say about grace? I didn't see anybody cheating on their iPads. I don't know about behind me. Okay. You know, you could start looking it up, but you'd be looking a long time. You might be going through the book of Hezekiah, still not finding it. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't use the word in the four gospels, okay? He didn't talk about grace. He lived it. He lived it. And that's what brings me to this this topic of reflected grace. We are called upon to live it. We were talking about loyal love, steadfast love, that love that goes all the way. It's love, commitment, and strength that's impossible to translate, especially if you're a poet. You'd never fit all those things in that line. And so they call it grace or mercy. The the King James uses the word um, loving kindness. That's okay. It's it's not good enough, though. It's it's all right. You, You just keep enjoying it. I think steadfast love maybe gives you a little bit more the sense of that word. Steadfast love. That'll be the ESV and some of the others. Some use loyal love. It's an interesting thing, though, that you find in Psalm number 50, where he says there to gather, Now you see that on some halls, on the wall, it'll say, gather my saints together unto me. Is it there? It's there. Good. Well, okay, good. Well, I'll tell you something about that verse. You already know, I realize, but somebody might not. Gather my saints together unto me. Now, that word saints there, that is the word for steadfast love. It's an adjective, not exactly the word same family. Gather together to me those people who are devoted, steadfast love, and they by the power of the Spirit are going to go the distance in love. You say, well, not enough room in that text for it. Well, that's, and so that's why the interpreters, the translators use the word saints. Sometimes they use the word godly ones. It's the word, well, it's related to the word hasid. Steadfast love. Gather together unto me. What kind of people does God want? These ones that are going to reflect the grace of Christ. Steadfast, loyal, no swerving, going all the way. And love in in the New Testament, and particularly, the I shouldn't say particularly, I'm not sure, but the Old Testament and New Testament, so many times love, it has nothing to do with emotions or feelings. You know, David was going to show steadfast love To Mephibosheth, he didn't love him in that emotional fuzzy-wuzzy, I-feel-good way. No, no. He didn't even know him. Thankfully, thankfully, in in love, there there, there can be the the feelings and the joy and emotions as well, but you can love without that. We are called to love. It's a commandment. You don't have to feel fuzzy-wuzzy all over and your hair stands up on your neck and you... So many times, the idea of love in the Old Testament is just the simple idea of obedience. That's love. To commit yourself and keep on going. So, how does grace? How does grace challenge me? I I love the uh, words of a teenager. In Luke chapter 1, at least, I, I think she was, Mary, she says, His mercy, quoting Psalm 103, which is using the word steadfast love in the Hebrew, His mercy, steadfast love, is for those who fear Him. She understood something of it. But I was just thinking of the variety of situations that we see teenagers in, in the Bible. Maybe you thought of them sometimes. You got Mary there with the anticipation of marriage. And you think of Mary, the acceptance of blame and scorn and shame. Hey, Mary, can you imagine her friends? Mary, you're showing. And somebody says, it was an angel. How did that feel? I don't think he was too angelic. What kind of, What kind of scorn did she feel as the mother of our Lord Jesus? Think of Joseph in the Old Testament coming out of that home where there was betrayal and fear and hate. And Miriam growing up as a slave where lives didn't matter at all, throw them in the river, life was cheap. Moses growing up, say, in the palace there with the pressures there, making choices for an invisible world while everything was pressed upon him for this visible world. Think of Samuel growing up, can I call it an assembly? Think of Samuel growing up in that assembly where he was, where everything was wrong. Can't believe his mother left him there. She had a great God and she knew it. Think of Daniel ripped out of his happy, normal little home living where he was learning how to say no to so many situations. Here's my point. Young brother, young sister, your peers may be at this conference, and most of them are on the road now, but they might, they may have appear, appeared here with happy faces, happy demeanor, and they're looking out, just they look fine, and they're interacting with you, and some of them are ripped apart on the inside, and they need your help. Are you reflecting the grace of Christ to them? Let me ask you, at this conference, did you go looking for any of those outliers, Did you look for anybody on the fringe who wasn't really part of your group this week? Weekend? If the Lord Jesus had been a teen and been walking around Stark Road Conference, he would have been looking for women at the well. He would have been looking for people up the tree, Zacchaeus. He would have been looking for people on the fringe that he might reflect the grace of God to them, these hurting hearts who have need. You're going to go back from this conference and you're going to tweet or Twitter or whatever you do and email, nobody uses email except me now. But you're going to go back. I'll tell you what, you seek opportunities to bring spiritual joy and encouragement to your peers. Are you committed to the well-being? Are you committed, steadfast love? Are you committed to the well-being of your fellow guys and gals that you rub shoulders with? Maybe ones that you've met. Just why don't you try this? Just out of the blue, you get their address or Twitter handle or whatever it is. You can tell I don't know what I'm talking about, but whatever it is, you get it. And just out of the blue, just say, "Hey, great to see you at Stark Road." And I was just thinking about this verse today. This would be a good one. Eh? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't, you can't think of one on your own, then use mine. It's great. Give somebody a little boost. They need it a lot more than you know, all of us. If we're talking, I'm talking to the younger folk here. Well, actually, I don't know if I am. I think I'm talking to everybody, but with this steadfast love that's reflected grace back, are you committed to the assembly 100% or is it flavor of the month? I'm Coke this week, Pepsi next. Did you, we don't. We shouldn't be picking assemblies quite that way, should we? Are you committed to the assembly with that steadfast love that we see in our Lord Jesus Christ? I'm never going to let him go. I'm never going to let it go. Now, just for your interest, uh, I think in the New Testament we've got three definitions of steadfast love or loyal love, whichever word you want. Loving kindness. I don't like that one quite as much. Three definitions. And you'll be able to add A few more to my list, maybe, but uh, what are they? Matthew 6, seek ye first. Got it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's steadfast love. Uh, The second one is Philippians 121. For me to live is my cell phone. I hope not. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. You take Christ out of my life, I've got nothing to live for. What do you live for? If you lost your Bible, how many days would it be before you remembered? If the assembly got up and moved, uh, you know, they had so many people coming to the prayer meeting night on, well, in Kirkland it's Wednesday. If we had so many people coming out to the prayer meeting night on the Wednesday and we had to move and go to the high school for more room, how many weeks before you'd even know they moved? I don't, I'm sorry, I, I, I said that kind of loud. I didn't mean to be harsh. Um, if you lost your cell phone, how many minutes would it be before you missed it? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. That's the definition of steadfast love. One more. First Corinthians 6, he says, you are bought with a price. You're not your own. That's steadfast love again. Those are definitions of reflected grace. Boy, I'm hardly getting to my point here, but it's okay. I I'm enjoying thinking about grace anyway, so I hope you are too. I sure am. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How about marriage? Well, just just so I don't forget, I wanted to say, well, if you're married, don't wallpaper the first year. Okay. Maybe Maybe don't wallpaper even the second year together. Maybe people don't wallpaper anymore, but... But be that as it may. I just want to put that in there as an aside. but res- um, you know, marriage is a recipe for growing in grace. I don't think it's because God has a sense of humor, but in the but in marriage, it's uh, opposites who attract. You know you don't see it that way until about uh, maybe the third day of your honeymoon. Maybe. But opposites attract. You are going you are by God's design. Listen. By God's design, you are going to disagree. That's not a problem. That's a strength. There's going to be disagreement, discussion, debate, discernment, and then decision. Then you start over. But these are the building blocks of grace. Christ in me reflected grace. And then these difficulties in marriage, these are not reasons to split. These are, these are reasons to be more Christ-like. And I think that's one of the purposes of it. And in marriage, those differences and difficulties are opportunities to be a real Christian. And if you're not married, that's all right. You'll find other opportunities just in the home that you're in. We're definitely in the assembly. That's my next topic. Let's talk about the assembly that way for a moment. The apostle says, Fulfill my joy in Philippians 2. Fulfill my joy that you'd be like minded, having the same love, and so on. What a wonderful passage. You know, I was thinking the other day that assemblies were named after a candy. Did you know that? I don't know if you have them down here. They're worldwide, so they're probably in the USA too. Uh, They're they're a licorice, right? You know them? They're called all sorts. And, and of course, in the box, there's uh, all shapes and all flavors and all colors, and none of them can get away from the other because they're all in the box there together. All sorts. And... Reminds me of that saying that uh, don't be hard on difficult people because you're one. I, I, I haven't put that on my mirror yet, but I, I, I wondered if I should. Maybe just the last part, you're, you're one of them. In the assembly is a wonderful place where we can reflect the grace of God. It's difficult to do that. Uh, we've enjoyed such reflected grace and kindness from the believers here at this conference. And it's very, very easy to be kind and loving and uh, where are you from and all that, and it's so nice to meet you here, and and you, you talk to the person across the table. But I don't know, I hope things in the kitchen were just as congenial. And after the conference is over and the stress and the strain and the cleanup and... All worn out. We have a conference too. Sometimes that's the greatest challenge at that point to reflect the grace of Christ. Think of our Lord Jesus dealing with uh, people like uh, Peter. Eh? Talk first, think later. Dealing with really cheerful people like Thomas. Eh? Let's go up to Jerusalem and die. Dealing with woman like, dealing with people like that woman at the well in John four, the slippery argumentative scheming. John eleven, think of Mary there. She knew all about where the Lord should be, when he should be there, and what he should do. She let him know. He he didn't seem to know, so she let him. She told him. There are all kinds of people. All sorts. My dear young brother and sister, don't be dismayed by assembly problems. Assembly problems are not the problem. I think John wrote to seven churches. Seems to me uh, one or two or three, four, five, six, seven of them had problems, wasn't it? Paul wrote to seven churches, did he? Was there, there, they, The odd one had a problem, didn't they? And if you look at Corinthians, I think Corinthians... uh I remember, right, Corinthians chapter 1 has a problem. Chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, yeah, all the way through, right? Problems. Listen. Assembly problems are not the problem. It's how you deal with the problem. How do you act? How do you display grace and be more like Christ in those situations? The tragedy is that we can, at the breaking of bread, we can sing about grace. There's praise and worship. We can define it in the Bible reading. And we even know that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And your wife will even give you a little tap on the leg as she admires your wisdom to be able to say that. And another brother over here, well, he knows that that word grace, that's the word charis, used 14 different ways in, in the New Testament. And the brethren look at you admiring that you know such things. Wonderful. Oh. And in the gospel meeting, we're dogmatic. It's grace. And then on the way home, the wife says, or, the, or somebody says, I don't understand why they can't see it. Really? why can't i see it well, we know we we know a lot about it don't we we're not so good at reflecting it we thank god for those who do and we all do sometimes at least right coming down to kitchener i had him, i was there at school many years ago and Passing through and on the way here, it just brought back memories of certain godly men and women, who were such an encouragement to us years ago, reflecting the grace of Christ. And let me let me conclude here. Uh, They told me I could speak a couple minutes overtime, so I will. I didn't intend to, but let me just let me just finish quickly here. We all know a lot of things about the Bible we do and i remember as a young man just being told that oh, you've got to get the 37s down Hey, eh? leviticus the 23 leviticus 23 the feast of jehovah and matthew 13 the seven parables and revelation 2 to 3 the seven churches mr Crawford, mr paisley agreed mr daugherty said amen those are you got to get those down you got to get them good and you'll know have a better idea of where the bible's going so i did i did and uh, Nobody ever along the way said, why don't you look at all the mentions of the word grace in Ephesians? Now, that would have been helpful too, because there was a verse there in chapter 4. It said something about, talked about gracious words that bring a spiritual benefit to the one that has to listen to you. I wish I'd discovered those earlier, and I wish they'd sunk into my soul. There's a book, it's called 30 Days to Knowing God. I, I, I thought, well, I better get that one. 30 days to knowing God just read this book and your Bible they might, they didn't forget that uh, for 30 minutes a day for 30 days and you're going to find your life changed forever you can see why I was interested and this book it provides insightful writing from some of the best minds in Christianity. I don't know if they actually included Jesus a little uh, oversight. But the book, what really got my attention was it's been updated for ease of reading. And it was $2.39 would put me off a little bit, but then you could save 20%. So I thought, well, maybe. And then best of all, it said, well, if you buy it on, on an e-book, then you can read it instantly. And I thought, well, I'll get those 30 days over as fast as I can. I'll know God better. I'm being facetious. I'm just trying to make a point. It's late in the day. you got to wake up. But listen. You're not going to get this grace of Christ out of a book, knowing God in 30 days. You're going to get it by wrestling with problems, with people. What did he say? What did the Lord Jesus say about grace? Nothing. Well, he did, and actually, there's one place where he did, but it's not in the Gospels. He never uses the word grace as we speak of it. I know about Luke chapter 6, is it? I know about that. But he didn't speak of it the way we, we do at all in the four Gospels. But he lived it. And you and I are called to reflect it to one another. God help me first. And you to do that.